and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. Well, it's been an absolute shocking evening at the Medeski Stadium yet again in the podcast that's supported by Blue Collar Street Food. It's no surprise we could play this podcast intro for the last season, every single one. And in 2020, we've had one home win against the mighty Barnsley, who have stayed up tonight if Wigan don't win their appeal. So that's a whole different story. But... Another home defeat, 4-1 against Swansea City, who completely went for it in the second half. And credit to them, they've got in in the last seconds of the season into the playoff spots. But who cares about them? It's all about Reading FC. So to help me talk about it, I've been joined by Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you? Good evening. Yeah. I've also joined by Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Quite an interesting end to the championship season, if it, even if it wasn't for Reading. But I have to say, I, I, I enjoyed keeping an eye on the other fixtures tonight to take yeah. my mind off the yeah. the endless pit that is Reading FC. That's, well, it's a shit pit, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I've kind of, there's so many issues at the club, which we're going to come on to a bit later. As a fan, we don't know exactly what's happening at all. But on the game tonight, can that first goal that Raphael lets in, now it splits opinion. I've put it out on Twitter. A lot of people think it's a really good shot, which it is. And that we can't criticise Raphael, it's a goal, and he couldn't do anything about it. But for me, I don't think he gets off the ground enough, and I don't think his feet move fast enough to get to the ball. What do you think, Matt? Wow. <laughs> I've I've made my comments known about Raphael. I think, I think he's a good goalkeeper, but he's not quite, I think, what our fans seem to perceive him as. Um, for that, for that goal... It, sorry? Player of the season, he is. I know. Which is fair enough. The public vote is <laughs> what they decide, isn't it? Everyone has it, their own opinions on that. It's the beauty of a public vote and opinions in football. <laughs> yeah, um, but for that goal, I mean, it's 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 another one we were talking. I think we've almost had one goal in every single podcast we've done where we've said it's one that he could and probably should be saving. I mean, he like like you say, he he barely jumps. He doesn't get his feet right. He's he goes with one arm for some reason. He it's it's almost like he tries to. Well, he, he seems to do it a lot. He likes to make a save for the cameras. And he tries to go with one hand. Why you don't just go with two hands there? Just go with two. It's a it's a strong strike from Brewster. To be fair, it's a bloody good strike. But I mean, it's not in the corner. It's not. It's it's from thirty yards. He's he's got time to set his feet to see where it's going. You know, it's just it's just frustrating because it, it it's it's a good it's a good goal. But I mean, it's so like I mean, I'm more disappointed that he didn't save it than had it been if he'd have saved it. If he'd have saved it, it's like. Oh, it's the save he should be making, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at him, he has had some good games this season. Let's not pretend that he hasn't. He is player of the season, and that's decided by the vote. Um, he's definitely still been a good signing. I'm not going to change my mind on that. Um, I I think after lockdown, I think his form hasn't been quite as good as it was before, and I don't think that's unfair a comment there. But got to remember those saves he made at Fulham on New Year's Day, which was one of the best days for Reading in probably years. And multiple saves, so. a triple save. So, you know, he has had some really good saves as well. But Eric, what do you think on uh, Raphael? And who would be your player of the season? Yeah, so on, on Raphael, I think obviously uh, a, a definite step up on Virginia, a definite step up on Sam Walker. Yeah. So good signing, like you said, he made some really good saves. That goal, I just think it caught him off guard. Um, 
his concentration wasn't quite there and he just flapped at it. It was it was a definite mistake. Um, in terms of player of the season, I mean, it's it's a difficult one because the season's gone on for uh, almost a year. Um, hard to remember lots of the good times because our form has been pretty poor since we came back from lockdown. But I would probably say Swift. Um, just on create, the, the number of chances he created, the goals he's scored. He, again, he's been off the boil at times too, but he would probably win it just about for me. What about you? Yeah, I would have gone for Swift as well for me. And then I had Morrison second, Raphael third. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I mean, I'm, I, I might be inclined to change Raphael for for Morrison, but those two are very close. Like, I mean, I like I like Raphael as a guy. Oh, I, I, I like him yeah. as a keeper. I just don't think he 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 wins Player of the Season. Right? So, and I think I, I think Swift has just been well. I think the way you well look at it. Raphael, I can't see that Raphael has done more than Swift or contributed more than Swift in this season. So how you can vote him, or in my eyes, how I can vote him above Swift in player of the season, I can't. You know, it has to go to Swift in my opinion. So I also think um, Mate probably deserves a, a shout in the top three. You know, top scorer, thirteen league goals. And uh, again, he's not always brilliant, not always pretty on the eye, but a decent return. Considering he played most of the season out on the wing, 13 goals, it's not bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, his incident tonight about getting sent off, of course, it's a red card. It's obvious, isn't it? I mean, if you put your uh, hands up to someone in their throat face right in front of the linesman, you're going to get sent off, aren't you? You're asking for it. I don't know why he's done that. We don't know what's gone on before. Um, we probably will never know. But, yeah, I put a tweet out of that. Some people took it seriously. Um, I can tell you, if you listen to me, that was 100% a joke. I sat there with my girlfriend and said this. I'm going to put it as a joke. Surely nobody will take it seriously. And lots of people did. So I forgot that Twitter doesn't have a sense of humour sometimes. But Mate tonight, kind of, I like his wholehearted effort and I like it all the way through the season. There's no doubt on that. But it's definitely caused an impact tonight. We've lost other games by three goals at home, so he's not the only reason that we've lost this match. Swansea are a decent team as well, but it's a stupid uh, behaviour, wasn't it, um, Eric? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we've got nothing to play for. Um, now he's going to be banned for the start of next season, probably, because he'll get violent conduct for so the first couple of games he'll be out. Um, and yeah, he's let the side down. You know, you could see how knackered Pushkas was at the end when he came off, because he'd had to do all the running. Um, we might still have lost, but we might not have. We actually played okay in spells. We did, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, so he, he definitely let the side down a little bit. Um, but then, um, do we really care? <laughs> no, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, it's not a, I understand the anger and frustration of Redden fans um, uh, watching that. It's another defeat, and it's a shameful home record this season. Our worst run of foam uh, least amount of wins at home in a hundred years of football league action nobody nobody can say that's acceptable um, but sometimes it's just like a dark humor isn't it you just have to kind of like let it go and if you don't get that place it just winds you up even more i would probably be more affected by this tomorrow and pissed off by it it's a kind of it's like, oh, I'm just blanking it off at the moment. But tomorrow it hit me. What did you think of it, Matt? Matt, I mean, let's move on to the penalty. It was a soft penalty and Puskas takes it 
and it's he takes the penalties really well. It doesn't matter whether the goalie's got a hand on it. It's gone in, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just one of those where I think think the powers the powers beating the goalkeeper in that in that sense. You know, I think if you get enough power on any penalty, most of the time it's probably going to go in. If if it's towards the corner, it was relatively well relatively well paced. But you know, we've said it before about Piscas and penalties. They they seem to go go together really well. You know, they, he's very very good at very very good at them. Very calm, very composed, and it's got him to twelve um uh twelve league goals for the season. Uh, 14 overall for the season. I mean, it's a pretty decent return, really. And I think tonight was probably one, probably his best game um, back from lockdown. I think he's he, he, he certainly got a lot better um, week on week in this lockdown period. I think so. I think it's certainly a positive we can take out of tonight's game because he's he's looking more more and more effective. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Bowen does at the start of start of next season if we start to look at Zhao next Puskas. I think you know it's something we all wanted to see back at the start of the season. Never really materialised because of injuries for one or other. Um, I think if if we can get those both those two fit, and if we play play a minute or two up front, it might mean losing out on Mate, um in some games. But I mean, who would you rather really have on have on the pitch? Um, you know, for me, it'd probably be be those two up front, Puskas and Zhao. It opens up a lot of opportunities for next year. So. Yeah, maybe someone will come in and play them together because Mark Bowen. Um... You know, I kind of like being supportive of him, but come on. I mean, this is really getting out of control, this situation now, isn't it? And we're lucky that the season is coming to an end in many ways. Because it, if the crowd was at the stadium, it would be toxic now, wouldn't it? it? It definitely would be. And if the players, which I've said before, I've said, oh, there's a problem playing at home. Well, they've also been crap in front of nobody. Absolutely nobody there. Mm. The only person that could abuse them... Is probably a cardboard cutout. If somebody goes in with a like, yeah, recording on that cardboard cutout of abuse, it's just woeful. And I see what Mark Burner said after the match. We showed character to come back in the game. The last 20 minutes, we had four one-on-ones with their keeper, but poor finishing has haunted us all season. I mean, how did we not score from one of those chances, Eric? I mean, it was a competition to see who had the crappiest shot, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Boyer had the best chance, and he? he just took one touch too many. Should have just hit it, but he, you know he's not played in a long time. And uh, yeah, with, with Bowen, you know he, he obviously the record since he came in is is fairly decent. But if you look at recent times, one home win since January, we're only heading one way, and that's downwards. And we keep looking over our shoulders, and that's obviously not good. So something's got to change. Uh, hopefully, that is recruitment and change of player personnel in the summer. Because if not, we're bang in trouble next year. Yeah, definitely. And as what you just said there, Mark Burns said, we have to get things right with recruitment. The philosophy of the club is not being good enough for too long. Um, I can't disagree with any of that, but he has to actually back it up and make sure he gets the right players into the clubs. Because I just think some of them just don't have... I don't know, what do they... uh, To me, they don't have the desire... They have desire for about three or four matches, but then that's about it, Matt, isn't it? They can't sustain it. And any kind of fragility gets shown up very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean it's almost it's almost been been a mental thing. You know, we've 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 touched upon it in recent weeks as well. This it's almost a mental stigma within within the players that 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 you know, oh, oh we, we we don't like playing at home. Well, why don't you? You know, you've you've like like it's not a demanding place to play the Madeski. You know, you've now played in front of no fans, 
and it's still it's still the same result. So you know you can only look at yourself from here. You know, and if like, I mean, I I don't know what what it what it's going to take. Is it going to take bringing in a psychiatrist or something to speak to the players mm-hmm. about you know why don't you like playing at home? You know, you sh- you you should revel playing at home, playing in front of your fans. You know, making more fans come to the stadium. You know that 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 should be you know what you really want. That's that's what you should be living to play for. You know, and uh, at the moment it just seems. Almost seems like, like you say, a mental weakness, reluctantness to to play at home, um, and it's just it's really disappointing. But I mean, we've seen it year on year the mental fragility, seemingly, of these players, um, and it, it seems to be something that's way too almost embedded at the moment because you know we've seen players come and go, and the problem is still there. You know, it's it's probably it's been there pretty much you now ever since that that last season um, or our first season back in the championship under Atkins. You know, it's it's been pretty pretty much there. And towards the end of the season, when the season gets dead, you know, players seem to drop tools. We saw that in McDermott's second season or second term back at Reading, and we've seen it kind of again this year. You know, uh, like since since lockdown, you know, we've had a couple of sparks, and like yes the first game from back from lockdown probably curtailed any hope we had of playoffs, you know, slim, however slim they may have been, but you know, you've still got, you've still got to play. You've still got to play, play, play for your badge, play for your club, play for respect, you know, and you had a good, you had a great chance to, you know, get, get more fans back at the stadium, get, get a bit more buzz around the place. You know, it it just never happens. I don't think tonight's frustration is just about tonight. There was it. It's about oh, no, the last three, four not. years. It's a build-up. We're back here again, Eric, aren't we? Yeah, you think it, it stems. You know, there's lots of players come out, and uh, obviously uh, our club captain, friend of the podcast, he comes out. He says a lot of the right things, but then you look at some of the some of the things. Like, was it the Wigan home game where the defending was just absolutely atrocious? absolutely no effort or application and you think right you're saying all the right things but the actions on the pitch don't reflect what you're saying you know there's this constant talk of we need to be we need to stand up and be counted for um we need to do this and you know it's a, it's a bit like it's a bit like the current uk government you know they they say some of the stuff and you just don't believe a word they're saying because of their actions um let's not turn this into politics though but it just feels like it just feels like they're, they're saying one thing and doing another uh, and and that makes me lose trust in what they're doing. No, I, I totally agree. And you see that repeatedly from all the players. I think the one player who we can take out of that in recent weeks and since lockdown is Morrison. Whether he's um, uh, been in poor form in games and make mistakes, I always think he's giving 100%, Matt. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. And I think, you know, you can look at defence for some of the goals tonight, but I think he's certainly probably been the defender out of all of them that's come out most with his head held high. I think, you know, there's not been a huge amount of mistakes he's he's made on his on his half, you know, and he, he does he does all the simple things right. And it's it's almost probably going to be good for someone like McIntyre to, to learn under someone like him with his with his leadership, with his um, experience in the game. Um and it'll be interesting to see, obviously, with what happens going forwards with with the whole defensive situation. Obviously, it could look a heck of a lot different next year. You know, Mianska's not going to be here, or most likely not going to be here. More is he going to be here next year? You know, if you take those two out of the team, that's, you know, two of our starting centre-backs from this year. It's going to be a complete, almost fresh page, which I think is almost something refreshing 
to think of you know we've talked about it year on year having a complete clear out it's never really materialized it seems like this year it's almost being forced obviously by players going out of contract but it seems like it's finally happening you know it's finally coming about where you know we might be able to finally almost start again and you know at defense in midfield and attack you know it would just be nice to start afresh next season yeah, I've just also seen some news as well that Bowen's not sure if Ovi Ajari will stay next year and uh, because of the financial situation, the club and COVID-19, which makes complete sense, doesn't it? Um, why, would we be, why would we be sending £3.5 million on a player? We don't have that kind of money. We've got no income at the moment at all. If you look at it, our crowds are non-existent, <laughs> obviously, like everyone else in the EFL. It's a real situation where if we sell John Swift, we don't get Ovi Ajaria, that midfield is going to be completely empty, isn't it, Eric? We've still got a little bit of hope. He hasn't given up completely, but it could be the case that he doesn't join us. Yeah, it's just uh, the bad news to compound a bad evening, a bad season, isn't it? You know, Ajaria has at times you know, shown absolute brilliance um he's one of the players in in midfield that can create something out of nothing and you think with some better players around him he'd be absolutely brilliant and you'd you'd sort of say that the the fee that we agreed pre-corona pre-covid was a a decent fee for a player of that quality but now there's talks of you know swift being that kind of money and you're thinking okay well maybe ajaria three million we can't afford it yes it's not good news because we're losing a lot of other players anyway out of contract um, uh, and possibly losing Swift, like we've said. And, uh, yeah, where's, where's the creativity going to come from? Probably Elise, unless we sell him as well. I wouldn't eliminate any possibilities at the moment because this is the thing about the Bowen discussion, which you might as well come on to now. People say that he won't take us forward. I, I'm not sure. Who knows if he gets a kind of different set of players is impossible to say you know we've just repeatedly lost games three by three goals at home this season under him so it's really hard to say that but he's saying that the club have accepted mediocrity for far too long uh, players with the wrong attitude it's really i don't know what to do with the bowen situation matt are we going to go forward with him no but could he keep us up i think that's what we're going to be looking at for the next few years with this financial situation i don't know yeah, no, I think I like I think the the main thing, you know, we've got to look at at the moment is stability. You know, we can't you can't keep chopping and changing managers forever and that Ovi news pretty pretty much has been the saddest news of the night, I think, because you know, having having a you know, a obligation to buy on someone and then not being able to push it through through financial situations, someone like him for three million, you know, it's gonna be going to be a bargain you know and the fact that that might not be going through now is just very very sad news and like I think a lot of people will look at Bowen and say you know he's not going to take us forward but who is going to take this group group of players forwards at the moment you, you know I think like, I think they, they, there's not really many managers out there that I can honestly say that I'd probably rather you know, pay off Bowen, you, you know, you've got to remember if you fire Bowen, you're going to have to pay off his, his contract he's still got, you know, you can, that's going to be more money down the drain. And then you're going to be signing another manager to probably, you know, another two year contract or something, you know, maybe longer. 
you know, so where, where, where does it end? You know, you've got to have stability at some point. Yes, it might not be the most attractive football. We're probably not all going to be too happy with it. But I mean, I think, uh, like, I think you've got to have a look at the situation at the moment. And, you know, we're like the football club at the moment is in a dire situation. You know, we, we need somebody just to, to, to steady the ship, you know, and maybe push us to playoffs. So I, th- I think Bowen has proven this year in spells that, you know, he could, you know, challenge us for the top half, which I think is probably a decent aim for next season. You know, ha- 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 if we have a top half finish next season, very, very good season. You know, we've we've essentially moved up this year. You know, we've moved up from battling relegation to, you know, mid to low table. As depressing as that might sound, you know, Reading Football Club has been a very depressing place to be in the past few years. You know, battling relegation. We've finally been out of that. And we seem to be more annoyed that we're out of relegation than we were when we were actually fighting it. You know, so I think, like, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't really see, like, someone else who's going to come in and who's going to revolutionise this football club to make us push for playoffs. You know, which obviously some fans obviously really want. But, you know, with our financial situation, if Bowen's not going to get the money, who else is going to get the money? You know, no, I, nobody is, a, is there? The one thing yeah, exactly. is, it won't be these players, though, will it? It'll be someone else, Burner, have the opportunity, or, or whoever is in charge. We don't know. Mm. Things change quickly in football. But today we're seeing news of maybe the owner blocking a move for John Swift, or maybe not blocking a move for John Swift. Maybe Aston Villa want to sign John Swift. Personally, I think continually blocking players' paths to the Premier League will not entice other players to sign for us. Because the whole reason why we become this club, and which now Brentford are, is the ability to get in younger players, make them better, sell them on, and we make money, they get their dream, but eventually you get yourself into the Premier League as a side product. At the moment, we're not getting the money in, we have massive financial problems. It looks like we probably won't sign over Ajaria, but we're going to keep someone. And if you're John Swift, would you really be happy in that situation if Sheffield United wanted you, Eric? You know, think of it in this alternative world. If it's going like they wanted the chance to go to a club that's in the Premier League and you can't make that move, it, it must be really frustrating if that happens. It might. Yeah, yeah frustrating for him and, and you kind of feel like he's he's given decent service to Reading, don't stand in his way sort of thing. On the other hand, the owners have supposedly said they want to build a team around him, which you can also understand. But I, I just think we should be very, very careful because look at what's happened to Wigan. Wigan um, played with fire in terms of their finances and it looked like they were going to stay up quite comfortably. All of a sudden, 12-point reduction. We could easily be in that situation in a year's time. Um, so yeah, I think we've got to be careful and obviously getting money in for, uh, players, the, the recruitment, uh, signing and selling of players has been absolute shambles for a long time. You know, a lot of the players leaving this summer, are leaving on a free, uh, players that we paid a lot of money for and have paid a lot of wages for, for a long time. Um, and yeah, it, it, the, the result is as such, finances are terrible. Wage bill is still way too high, even with some of these players leaving, probably. So then it makes it difficult to replenish the squad. And ultimately, it's, it leads to trouble, whether it's financial and or relegation. And we're also wide open. I mean, there's no indication of this happening at the moment. But if the owner was to leave us with the massive debts that we've got, where will we go? We'd be completely and utterly stuffed, wouldn't we, Matt? Um, we would, but I think I, I'm 
the more time that goes by, the more reassured I am that these owners, you know, they're not going to cut and run, you know, within at least the next couple of years, because I think they're showing too much intent. Um, some of it is quite blind intent, really, especially around this Swift situation. You look back to situations with Liam Moore, Danny Loder, stuff that, you know, the owner specifically blocked, you know, and looking back on it, it's looks pretty fool, foolish you know you you've blocked 12 million for Liam Moore I mean we'd never he would be lucky to even get you know a quarter of that now you know for for Liam Moore Danny Loder was I think that was rumored to be two or three million again like for, for someone like Danny Loder who's now left on a free you know and for, for, for John Swift you know even if it is like, like I, I can understand the owner wanting to hold out for probably slightly more than three and a half million. You know, I think that's sensible because you don't want to sell at the first opportunity. You want to try and raise it, that fee as much as possible. But, you know, if, if, if that offer is still there and it's not getting any bigger in, you know, two, three weeks, you've got to start considering it. You know, like, like, like and I, 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 I almost hope he doesn't block it for Swift because I think Swift, Swift deserves the chance in the Premier League. Like, I hope he goes for more personally something more around the five six million mark but you know realistically we're not getting more than that but um but but yeah it's 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 almost kind of blind blind optimism really from from the manager at the moment so hopefully hopefully well I think Nigel Howe's got a big job to play in that because I think it's something I think a lot of Reading fans may not have appreciated but I think I think by all accounts Nigel Howe's done a pretty poor job really so far in leading or try, try, trying to show the owners what they need to be doing you know he's he, he, is, is he CEO or something of the club at the moment you know that is he's got to be the person you know effectively dealing with the day-to-day running of the club on behalf of the owners you know and if if the owners are constantly overruling what he wants to do you know if he wanted to sell loader then the owners overturned it you know if he wanted to sell swift for that money and the owners overturned it what's the point of Nigel Howe you know I- and like yeah, I slightly disagree, Matt. I think obviously Hal did a good job under Medeski, and you think the the situation yeah, that, that that's, that's you, ten years ago. Yeah, but that's you think ten years ago. The the situation he's taken over after Gourlay, who was just an absolute disaster. We're still seeing some of the contracts now that Gourlay handed out that are expiring. Mm-hmm. You think, yes, fair enough. How you know he's he's had a tough job in the last trying to recover from that situation, and under Medeski, he was doing a decent job and. Back to your point about the owners, I think the owners are committed. They, they've obviously done the training ground. Um, last summer, we spent quite a bit of money on players, getting Pushkas in, getting Zhao in and stuff like that. So I'm not, not worried about them leaving in, in the immediate term. But what happens if we get relegated to League One? Do they then go, actually, we need to just cut and run because this is just a disaster. We've, we've failed this experiment. Um, so there, there is a worry there longer term. Yeah, definitely. Mm. This, I mean, if we go down to League One, it's crippling. So... As much as tonight is really crap, and it totally is. We've been we've seen this too many times at Redmond Football Club. At least we're not in that relegation zone. Um, who knows what will happen with the EFL? They might suddenly deduct us 12 points. I wouldn't eliminate anything with the EFL. So it could happen, but I think it's highly unlikely. It's not kind of with the owners. Sorry. I said not this year, but maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think that's impossible at all. Yeah, we... Yeah, it's hard to know. I just think there's too many things that aren't right at the club. Even as a fan, you can see we just make signings randomly. The recruitment has been awful. Agents have too much power at the club. And who makes a final decision on these signings? Is it the managers or is it the owner? 
Or is it, because to me, it seems to be the owner who's getting way too involved in these certain situations. And that really undermines any manager that's going to come into the club. As much as we want to criticise Bowen's tactics, and that's fair enough, we all have opinions on that. But if you're consistently getting players in there who shouldn't be there, and then if you criticise it, if you're Sam Baldock, and you're not in the next match day squad, what's going on there? I mean, we all know Sam Baldock's got a tight back, and that's definitely why he wasn't in the squad. But why is it he comes out on Saturday and says, football's a murky world, and there's a lot of strange things happening at Redden Football Club, and I'm part of it. I'm not one of the favourites. Well, how, I how just many, think you know, with that ago, interview, there's a lot to be read into it. Yeah, and also you think, like, years ago, would we ever have signed players like Raphael, like yeah. Lucas Boye, like Masika? You know, these players that nobody's ever heard of that come out of absolutely nowhere um, and all of a sudden we're signing them. And and a lot of them, you know, it's boom or bust because the championship is quite a different league. At least if you go down to League One, you know, players are a bit more, um, you know, used to English football and they could perhaps make the step up. But if you're gambling on somebody that's played on, you know, in Torino and, and places like that, they're, they're either boom or bust. And unfortunately... More of them are busts rather than booms. You look at Boye, Masika, uh, there's probably a bunch more that I've forgotten just now because I'm raging, but there we are. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's some people listening to this going, Jimmy Kebe, Shane Long, Kevin Dole. But Kevin Dole and Shane Long played in Ireland. And Brian McDermott had probably scouted them about 100 times. I mean, that's exaggeration, but he knew them inside out. He probably knew their inside leg measurement. <laughs> he was kind of totally... For every Jimmy Kebe, though, there's an MS Faye. Yes, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, but there's also a Sonko. But he's yeah. played in Brentford, so it's a little bit different again, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a safe eh? Oh, blimey. Yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> well, there's a Bobby Convey, though. Yeah. You know, but... That was a lot of money at the time. And and even even with lower league players, you know, you have some of them that are busts too, like um, John Halls, like Greg Halford. But the point being is, with some of the lower league signings, that is what Brentford are doing now as a model. They're oh, picking yeah. up these players. Look, they just signed uh, Fosu, haven't they? Who we let go, funnily enough. Um, and I wouldn't mind betting that he goes on to do good things next year, depending on what league they're in. Um, and and you just think all these foreign players that nobody's heard of, eventually you sign too many of them and they don't have an impact. And that's why the playing squad is so poor. And that's the problem at the moment. It's really poor. Yeah, there is so many things, isn't it, with Reading? It's the poor ability in certain areas. It's also the wrong attitude and just things we've been through loads of times. But Matt, sum it up. Is there any hope for next season, whenever it starts, 29th of August, 12th of September, who knows when? Are you going to... Do you think, as we speak right now, do you feel that staying up is our target? Um, I wouldn't... Well, I think I think there's a lot to go on in in the middle but i i wouldn't be I, I i'd be more disappointed if we were fighting relegation again next year than if we were pushing for pushing for the top half i think i think next year you know we've consolidated you know a position in the championship we weren't fighting relegation this year which i think like like i say as depressing as it sounds that is progress in the past few years you know i think the next the next the next aim has to be you know making a step to the top half of the table you know that's that's the next logical step you know playoffs probably too far to, to look at and start thinking oh we need to be pushing for the playoffs yes we want to be you know of, of course we want to be pushing for playoffs we want to be pushing for promotion but that's not realistic you know I think uh, like I think a top half a top half finish will be a very respectable finish I think next year 
Um, is there a chance for it? I think there is. You know, I think like I think like I say that there is a lot to go in between now and the start of next season, even though it might not be a long time. I think there's a lot that will happen. Um, but I think it, it's it's something that I think is definitely achievable for next season and a top half I'd be very happy with. Um and I I, I, I am going into next season with with a bit a bit of optimism. You know, it might be blind optimism as a fan, roast tinted glasses and what have you. But um I mean if, I if we weren't optimistic it wouldn't we wouldn't be football fans, would we? No, exactly. No, I totally agree with that. Would you take fifteenth just... right now, next season? I would. I yeah, I would I, I, I would I would be I, yeah. yeah yeah like I like I think I would I like I'd be I'd be slightly disappointed but I'd be more content I'd be like I'd be content again with fifteenth like I think I think top half has to be the aim but I mean if if if, if we finish fourteenth fifteenth and you know we're ten points clear of the relegation zone I don't think we can complain at that really you know realistically when you think yeah, about we'll it start banging on about COVID and uh, financial situation again honestly we need to get through this situation we just need to keep staying up but without spending crazy amounts of money it could be a painful few years for reading this because we're going to see all our best players and you can argue about how good some of our best players are and we could have a real change of style of football that is more basic I think mm-hmm. But if it keeps us up, that's all that matters, Eric, isn't one, it? The one thing, well, the one thing we know is that this break, however long the break is, is going to be an absolute flurry of activity from clubs trying to change their squads. It's going to be the craziest summer break we'll probably ever see. Um, and the the Mr. Howe that we mentioned earlier, the owners, um, Mr. Jurabshian, no doubt. I mean, they've really got their work cut out because there's going to be a lot of players moving around. And if they don't do a good job, uh, next year we're in trouble. If they do a, a really good job, you know, we might uh, push on, like Matt says. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the strange thing is, there's one club that could be starting with a 21-point deduction already next season, isn't there? Sheffield Wednesday. So that'd be quite a bonus if that happens to us. Well, Derby um, County as well, possibly. Yeah. The other yeah. good thing is that Luton and Barnsley have both stayed up and both were absolutely terrible. Um, this year, so it gives me. <laughs> and, and yeah, I agree. I don't want to get involved in terrible because this time next season we be, could be saying, "How did we finish below Luton?" <laughs> it could easily be the case, couldn't it? We could jinx it, Eric. You've jinxed it. Yeah, but, yeah, it's my fault. Not not the owners. Not anything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's your fault, Eric. All you. <laughs> So thanks a lot for listening. Uh, thanks for listening throughout the whole of the season. We will have another podcast, pod, pod a podcast next week. Um, really appreciate you listening. Um, we try to be as upbeat as we can and talk about Reading as fans. And yeah, it hasn't been easy all the time. And we get giddy and we'll probably get giddy again when the summer transfers come in. But that is being a football fan, as Matt says about. And I'm not going to change that. I've got loads of things wrong. And I don't really care about it because that is life. Cheers. Thanks for listening.